Hey everyone, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. We're on episode number 35 and in today's show I got to hang out with the awesome Mike Lee who I believe is Mr. Food Innovator himself. Mike is based in New York but he is the founder of Alpha Food Labs. Alpha Food Labs works with medium to large FMCG companies to help them stay ahead of the curve in food innovation. Mike also has two sister companies, Food Tech Connect and the Future Food Market, which we'll explore in this episode. Mike is just full of insights, information, and delivers some awesome knowledge bombs. It was great hanging out with a forward thinker within the food space, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did listening to it. So for now, switch off, chill out, and enjoy episode 35. Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt. Your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Mike, you're all the way in New York. How's it going? New York is great. We are busy as usual and uh, really excited to cap off a, a really productive, exciting year. Amazing. And am I am I right in saying you've just been traveling a lot this week? How many uh, how many cities have you been into this week? Oh, I sort of lost track a little bit, but I think it was about seven uh, in the past uh, eight days or so, and all along the uh, Midwest and West Coast of the United States. Wow. All right. So the the people listening, like I, from the conversations we've had and the people that I know you know in the kind of the food industry i'd i'd actually say you are mr food innovation but for the people listening can you just give a brief overview of who you are the companies that you found and run and we'll go into the questions yeah so the thread that really runs through everything we do is um we are in the business of food innovation, and what that means is we help uh, medium and large size food companies, especially in the FMCG category, um, really try to stay ahead of the curve and understand sort of the changing world of food, the changing world of consumers, um, and hopefully to create both strategies and products and services that will help them continue to thrive and, and actually influence the future of food over the next five, ten years. Um, and so that's really the mission that underlies everything we do. And there's a number of different ways in which we do that. Um, our central business is a company called Alpha Food Labs, and we are a consulting agency that uh, does all the things that I just mentioned around innovation. Um, and, and, and really, we spend a lot of time with companies trying to just understand what's next and what to do about it. Um, we have two sister companies under Alpha Food Labs. One is a company that my co-founder, Danielle Gould, founded uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, it's a media site called foodtechconnect.com. Mm -hmm. And essentially, that website is uh, sort of the site of record for all things food and technology. Uh, Danielle was early to the game uh, in even coining this phrase, food tech. Um, and her and original insight was really that 10 years ago, she saw the writing on the wall. She saw the amazing power that technology in all of its forms could have to transform every part of the food supply chain from farm to fork and everything in between. Uh, and so they have a biweekly newsletter uh, that, that really summarizes all the trends and in investment, tre uh, business tech and investment trends in the world uh, around food innovation. And we also have uh, monthly uh, gatherings uh, here in New York City on the West Coast in San Francisco that are all 
uh, meant to bring food innovators of all size companies together to share best practices, share war stories, and just basically think about um, the, the future of food. The That's third element. That's fantastic. I, I, I yeah. Just to chip in there, uh, and anyone who's listening, the food tech email that you just mentioned there is I, I read it. I literally save it for the weekend, to be honest. That's how sad I am. Oh. And uh, and read it over yeah, over my breakfast because the content um, well, in well, there is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's great. So um, that's the second piece of um, the, the puzzle. And then the third piece is a project that I started uh, about four years ago called The Future Market. Um, and The Future Market is a conceptual grocery store where we get to explore the future of food. And we try to understand and envision uh, what the future of grocery, what the future of the products, what the future of just food in general might look like um, in the next five to 25 years. Um, a lot of what we do at The Future Market um, is inspired by um, the auto industry um, specifically, the auto industry has had this concept car program for a very long time where they invest significant amounts of talent and capital and effort into creating a conceptual car every year that's not for sale, but is really meant to be a tangible uh, piece of evidence of what the future might hold in that industry. And so that was one of my favorite things to observe growing up in Detroit, the Motor City, um, about the auto show every year. And I really wanted to bring that sensibility to food um, to sort of say, how can we think more ambitiously and more deeply into the future than we're typically used to in our normal strategic planning? And by doing that, can we envision a future that um, you know, is either really ex exciting and attractive to us or potentially really scary. Um, and, and if we can kind of see those things coming down the road, we can have that influence our strategies today as people in the food industry. Um, so, so that's really kind of rounds out um, the three legs of the stool, so to speak, that, that we have in order to meet that mission, uh, which is helping the food industry um, stay innovative. That is that is just awesome. It's literally three pillars that one excites me, but has so much correlation to help yeah grow the market. And like on your website and speaking to you, you've worked with some big names. Like you've got the likes of Chibani, Campbell's, Fora. Like these guys are really driving the space in the food market. And to touch on before you even got these customers, like you you weren't in the food industry from the start were you but were you were you based in a bank is that is that correct in me thinking um you started in innovation outside of food to start with and then it grew from there well um my participation in the food industry varies depending on how you look at it um in the 1940s my grandfather actually opened up um a chinese a large chinese restaurant in detroit um and so since then my grandparents my parents, my aunts, uncles, cousins, um, they've all been in the restaurant business in the United States. And, um, you know, growing up, uh, the idea that food could not just be the thing that you eat, but the thing that is your livelihood uh, was ingrained in my head very, very early on. So I almost feel like I've always been in the food industry. Now, however, when I went to university, I studied business and then I studied art school, um, which is an odd combination, especially back then. But um, it really resonated with me because I really like to think about problems that require you to think on a right brain and a left brain basis. Yeah, okay. um, 
And the first job that I had out of college was actually, yes, it was at American Express. Um, but within that giant company, I was working on a team called American Express Labs. And the charter that we had on that team was almost identical to the charter that we have today as an agency, although it was just for a different subject matter, mm. services, credit cards, payments, things like that. And I was there uh, in 2005 to about 2009, and our job was to try to understand the prevailing trends around technology and, and human behavior and create prototypes of new technologies that that company could potentially use in the future. And so if you think about the time around 2005 to 2009, and you think about it from the lens of a credit card company, you know, what happened in that time frame? Well, social media exploded, but also the mobile phone came on, mm -hmm. the smartphone came on. And so we were presented with this new thing called the iPhone that no one had ever seen before. <laughs> and we started trying to, you know, see what can we, what can this innovation do to enable our industry in the payment space? And obviously we know today mobile payments, all sorts of different things happen financially with smartphones. And that was sort of the mentality that we had. So fast forward that to eight or so years later when I started working in food. And, and by the way, when I was working at American Express by night, I was um, producing culinary events. So even though my day job was technically doing innovation and technology, I was a chef by night and we were producing really ambitious dinner events for anywhere from eight people to 300 people. Um, wow. And so I had this dynamic where during the day I was learning sort of classical processes and approaches to innovation. Um, the subject matter happened to be payments and technology, but I think the, the way you look at that stuff really still rings true to, to what I do in food. And then by night, I was sort of a renegade kind of chef person. <laughs> we were putting together, you know, I was really, and, and because like I wasn't depending on the food stuff at that point to sort of pay my bills, yep. I was really empowered to just be very risk taking with it and be very almost avant-garde in some cases and it enabled us to really be really creative and explore because you know, I, I was if, if I did a dinner and it completely failed, um, it's it's not like I'm out of a home. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice situation to be in. <laughs> yeah. So that all came together. So that's really the background that really forged a lot of the way that we look at stuff today, because, you know, the same way that we would look at the iPhone and say, what does this mean for us as a giant global credit card company? <laughs> I do the same thought process. Um, looking at, hey, what do we do about plant-based burgers or uh, lab-grown meat or vertical farming? You know, we look at those kinds of things in very similar ways, and we help companies that are maybe potentially going to be touched or helped or hurt by these sort of innovations. We help them sort of navigate what do you do about that. So, in essence, that all of these sort of seemingly disparate experiences have all sort of come together into the way that we look at innovation for the food industry. That's fantastic. And to touch on, so when you work with clients, um, what's their response like when you come come to them with innovation, where you use your future market to go, well, this is how it's going to play out in 10 years 20 years are they quite responsive to new ideas or do you find that they want to play it safe with a kind of a little twist or do some of them think bigger picture as well 
Well, it's hard to truly say because I think our client base is pretty self-selecting. So mm. if they've already engaged us and they're sort of in the room with us kind of working on this, they, they have some sort of appetite for open-mindedness about what the future can hold. Um, you know, it's important to, to say that, that we, we never definitively say this is what the future will be 100%. I don't think, yeah. I think if anyone tells you that, they're, they're lying. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and we're self-aware to know that we really can only have a high level of confidence about something that's likely to happen. And so, and, and also you have to, you can't just really look at one scenario. You have to kind of explore things from different dimensions and, and sort of triangulate what your strategy might be. So, um, yeah, um, we like to stretch people's thinking. We like to yep. challenge them. We like to show them things that might make them feel uncomfortable. But we always really try to bring it back to um, what it means for their life today and their business today. And we always try to translate things uh, that might seem threatening or weird or strange into a way that seems a little bit more um, easy to get your head around or comfortable with for the person. Um, one of my favorite quotes forever, I mean, frequently I feel like a translator because <laughs> one of my favorite quotes ever is um, Henry Ford was quoted as saying, you know, there's a reason that cars are rated in horsepower. Because if you think about if you've grown up in a world where all you knew was horses for transportation, and then all of a sudden somebody says, hey, this is a car, this is an automobile, you don't have any frame of reference for what that even means. Because your life has been measured in horses. And so you say, hey, here's an automobile. And people say, well, what is that? And then you mm. say, oh, well, this thing is uh, the same power as 45 horses or 50 horses or 100 horses. That's horsepower. Um, that is a metaphor for a lot of what we do is to really take these new strange things and translate them to people in a way that doesn't compromise or water down or oversimplify what the idea is. It just kind of puts it in a different frame of reference so that um, people, people, people can relate to it. That's fantastic. And uh, to touch on the food market, because I just find that concept just absolutely mind blowing and fantastic. Where, how do you guys start with that? Like, how, how do you build it together? And my next question would be, how do you see the stores of the future, especially in the US? Uh, I know there's, there's a lot more choice than there is over, uh, over there than there is in Australia. Um, but where do you see the future going from a from a store level? Yeah, um, answering the future of food in any dimension is increasingly difficult because um, we're going to be 10 billion people in 2050. That's a statistic that's been used quite a bit. And it's pretty unreasonable to think that there's going to be only one way to shop for food or eat food or mm. make food or anything like that. And what's happened over the past 25 years through digital connectivity is that we've become fragmented as a user set, as, as, a, as a population. And, you know, things that if, if, if you were in the 1970s and you were a vegan um, and you were sitting in the middle of nowhere somewhere, you were the only person you might ever meet who was a vegan, right? Or, or, <laughs> You could even be a vegan, right? But, 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 but today that's different, right? Because now all of these people in disparate areas that have these unique ways of looking at food, unique ways of wanting to buy their food, they can collaborate online and say, hey, there's a community of 25 million vegans worldwide, right? And mm -hmm. so, so what happens is 
is that we've fragmented it in all these different food traps. Now, how that impacts retail and why it makes it hard to t say what the future of retail is going to be is, is the fact that there's going to be so many different types of viewpoints for how people want to shop for food. There's going to be room for all of it. So there's going to be farmer's markets. There's going to be traditional grocery stores that look like what they look like today. There's mm -hmm. going to be delivery. There's going to be automated delivery. There might be drone delivery. There might there's self-driving car delivery. Um, you know, it, it, it's really it's really all of it can can coexist. Um, and and I think you know that that's probably the one thing I can only say for sure is that we're just going to have more choice. To be honest with you. Um, so yeah, at a high level, I, I think that's really what's going to define um, retail grocery mm. is this idea of omni-channel is going to be really, really put to the nth degree. You know, it, it's going to define sort of the state of retail, and retail will not look like one thing anymore uh, at all. Yeah, no, it's fa it's fascinating. Amazon only just came to Australia eighteen months ago. And I just I just find that mind blowing because I know that the power it has in the US and especially in the UK. And speaking to my brother this week, I've ordered the uh, the Christmas presents for the family over there, and uh, yeah. did it through Amazon. And yeah, literally next day delivery. And my brother goes, "Why didn't you do the the one hour delivery? I could have been home." Yeah. And I went, yeah. I went, you guys are on one hour delivery, and I just find that mind blowing because. Amazon literally just launched here and we're happy with three or four day delivery and we don't even have a full range yeah. yet. So it's, it's, and they're, I definitely believe they'll be playing in a, a spot where it comes to groceries and you wouldn't think twice about buying uh, half your shopping list off Amazon. And yeah, it turns up whether it's through a drone or whether it's yeah, self-driving cars. Like it's, it's such a fascinating space. And uh, I'm, when we chatted a couple of weeks ago, like, I, I think we both got the the excitement and the enthusiasm when it comes to this space. So it's uh, you. I just think you're in a more faster entrepreneurial world over there. I think there's a lot more options, but I'm I'm hoping that Australia can uh, catch up to you guys a lot quicker. <laughs> so well, fingers so crossed. Have, I mean, two things to say about that. Right, really, the the Amazon model is a metaphor for I think what's big, happening in a bigger level in the food industry. And one is, um, if you think about Amazon or a company like Netflix, you know, at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that they did was they created this idea of infinite inventory, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, they basically said, well, a physical bookstore can only hold this many books, and for most people, that's probably enough. But what if you had these humongous warehouses that were not in urban centers where the real estate was more costly and you just put a warehouse in the middle of nowhere where the rent was cheap and you didn't have to make it fancy inside because no consumers were walking in there? What could you do? Well, you could now stock literally every single book that's ever been written, right? Um, Netflix sort of did the same thing first with DVDs and now with digital. Is is that it's 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 negligible to add another movie to the catalog or another book to the catalog because they've reduced the cost of keeping inventory on hand. Now, you look at food, and yes, it doesn't work for all things like you know keeping. Uh, more putting more lettuce in your inventory means you have to buy bigger fridges. So there's a limit to how you know you can make the inventory. But for a lot of the foods, especially for packaged foods, 
if you decentralize sort of the inventory of a grocery store, you can you can hold on to just about anything. And then if you're doing personalization and delivery like Amazon is so good at, you know, all of these different food tribes can get exactly what they need. And we don't need to all buy the same thing at all. And it's easier to get that stuff, right? Because a grocery store can only afford to stock so many items, right? And, um, so true. And, 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 and that means you have to only pick the stuff that is going to go after the lowest common denominator set of needs for people. So if in your town, your grocery store, um, you know, in that area, there's only 10 vegans. Guess what? That grocery store is probably not going to stock vegan stuff. But in a world where there's nearly infinite inventory for food, um, you can now stock those because you can deliver them to all vegans everywhere or whatever kind of different tribe. So that's one thing that I think is really powerful of this metaphor. And, and it's not just Amazon that's doing it. I think the most impact Amazon has had is actually um, it, it's actually given an existential crisis to all the other retailers to digitize faster. You know, um, So that's a big trend in, in retail that I think Amazon is a catalyst of. The other thing, too, is and you alluded to it about you know, when you said like, oh, you know, you, Amazon just got there, so you're sort of satisfied with three or four day delivery, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, you know, we were too when Amazon first came. Mm. There's this idea of expectation transfer, which is very powerful, meaning you might be satisfied today with your Amazon order only taking three days to get to you. Why don't you fast forward five, 10 years down the road after they've introduced one hour delivery to you, how easy is it to go back to getting used to three hour delivery? You know, yeah. but think about the state of broadband and Wi-Fi speeds. Like what if I just chopped on your bandwidth to 1985 speeds? <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that's what we've currently got at the moment. <laughs> but so, so it's really interesting because once a service exists and delivers consistently, at a certain speed or quality, it's very difficult for you to go back, right? And and honestly, it, the other powerful thing is if it happens in one area of your life, you start to expect it in other areas in your life, right? Um, so waiting 10 minutes for an Uber um, makes you just kind of generally more impatient for all the other things in your life, whether it's an Uber or not. So those are two kind of things that I think you kind of hit on that, that really are, are changing the face of retail and food. That 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 knowledge there, I think, just opens a lot. It opens my eyes, and it'll, it'll open a lot of listeners' eyes to yeah, kind of what we uh, what we expect and kind of what we get used to. And then until something new comes along, um, yeah, we get we then get used to that. So absolute pleasure. My my next question is: You're a guest speaker, um, and you'll be in Australia next year. Um, when is that, and uh, what is that for, Mike? Uh, yeah, so I will be um, the uh, opening speaker, I believe, at oh, a, work. a conference uh, in Melbourne, uh, 18th and 19th of February. It's called Evoke Ag, um, and it's really um, meant to kind of show people what the future of ag and food is is really, really happening. And, and so I'm excited to be down there. Um, I've been to Australia a few times, but never to Melbourne. So I'm actually very excited to be there and explore a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, that that's where I'll be, uh, 18th and 19th, February. Um, you can check out more information at evokeagag.com. Um, and, uh, you know, would, would love to see any of your listeners there. 
Definitely. Well, I, I've I've already checked it out, and uh, yeah, as I say, we'll we'll be meeting up there, and uh, definitely be having uh, an espresso martini or more of a manlier drink. You'll uh, you'll be impressed with the scenery, the coffee, and all that's got uh, all that Melbourne's got to offer. So I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing you next year. Um, yeah. To finish to finish off, you mentioned it at the start, but if if people listening wanted to know more information about yourself and about alpha food labs where the best where's the best way to find more information so that they can either reach out or just kind of follow you and see the amazing stuff that uh you and your team are doing yeah really it's just the three things uh the companies that i mentioned i mean i think um, you know if you go first to alphafoodlabs.com that will link out to the other two sister companies so if you only have one url you want to write down that's the one um and then like i said before uh food tech connect that's a great newsletter that's absolutely free so we're not trying to sell anyone anything um it's just really meant to accelerate knowledge within the community and really empower innovators all over the world with the knowledge that they need to make great decisions and be inspired by uh, the future of food. Um, and then the futuremarket.com is where uh, we have some of our conceptual products and a lot of our futures thinking uh, about the future of food. Um, and that's at the futuremarket.com. So yeah, find us anywhere there. And uh, my emails on all of those. So, uh, you know, happy to chat uh, if people want to reach out. Fantastic. And I highly recommend to anyone listening. Yeah, definitely sign up to the newsletter. That is a, a must read. And Definitely check out the uh, future market because yeah, checking out some of the products on uh, on that site it's uh, it just opens your eyes to a different world. So I appreciate your time, Mike, and uh, I know uh, I know we're on a completely different we're on a completely different day. Um, so I hope you have a great evening in New York, and uh, I look forward to speaking soon and catching up uh, early next year. Absolutely, thank you for having me on. Thank you.